You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who could not care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you. I hope you're anticipating what God is going to do. Would you stand with me as we begin our worship? And let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord God in heaven, we rejoice in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this day that you've gathered the church together. You've gathered the body of believers together Um, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray that you would be magnified and glorified in this day, that you'd be delighted in the worship of your children. Lord, we give it all to you in praise as we lift our voices, as we give of our, our, our time, talents and treasures, Lord, as we receive your word, as we celebrate communion here today, Lord, we give you all of our attention and all of our affection. We praise the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Cypher Christian Church. If you're a guest, we're especially glad you came. And we have uh, so much so, there's a uh, welcome desk in the back where they have a gift for you. We invite you to please visit there. There's also a connection card in the back of the pew. And if you'll be uh, so kind to fill that out, what we'll do on the other side is we're going to form this team of about 20 people to come to your house and they're gonna bring a bunch of pamphlets and brochures and if you don't mind, they'd stay a couple of hours and probably at an inopportune time just to hang out with you, would that be okay? Kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, What we would like to do though is take your information and we'll send you a welcome letter that'll have some links in it with some information about the church. One of our elders will send you a personal note card and one of our pastors would like to call you. So just a great way for you to have a a first initial contact with our church. So thank you for being here. Um, I'd like to share with you a little bit about what's going on in the church. We've got this booklet full of things that are going on. The most important thing I wanna share with you is we have this huge spring fest coming up. It's March 29th. Everybody is invited, friends, neighbors, people you don't know. That would be the ideal thing, right? Bring new people to the spring fest rather. Um, We're gonna have inflatables. There's gonna be an Easter egg hunt. We'll have places where you can take pictures. We'll have music, just loads and loads of fun. So please put that date on your calendar and plan to attend and bring some people with you. Um, Bob Boozer shared with us recently about the Living Water trip that's coming up. If you have any interest at all or just like to know more about what that looks like, Bob has been on how many trips, Bob? A lot. (laughs) He could tell you everything you wanna know about Living Water and what that trip looks like would be an awesome opportunity to be involved in that ministry. Um, Also, we have a membership class that Dale's going to be starting. It is um, the end of the last February in the month, in the first week in March. And this is for anybody who hasn't been through 
the membership class. It's not necessarily if you're new to CFCC. So if you haven't had an opportunity to take that class, please email him. His email address is in the, in the bulletin, and he would love to send you some more information about that. And you can also learn more information about what's going on at CFCC on our website, or if you haven't downloaded the app, please do that, and you can just see loads of things that are going on in our church. So ways that you can get connected. Boys. Yes, sir. That was me just telling some boys on the front, stop being so rambunctious. Right. It is such a pleasure to be standing here looking out over a church which has such tremendous uh, love for Christ, number one, and love for each other. So as we go into the time of uh, devotion for, for giving and that part where the basket comes by and you can decide to put something in it or not, I just wanted to read scripture. And it ties in so well with the praise team this morning and uh, the message of Christ. So who are we and who is Christ? So from Philippians 2, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, which we do, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, Paul's joy, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. You might say criminal. Being made in human kindness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise his name. Pray with me, would you? Father Jesus, we do thank you for the ways in which you are moving in this church. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation which ministers to me. I thank you, Jesus, more than anything for the Holy Spirit which you have given us that ministers to us in our times of highs and in our times of lows. We praise your name, Jesus. We thank you. We open our hearts. We open our doors. And we ask that you increase in us this day. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. So glad you are here today. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that all your promises, every promise in your word through Jesus Christ is yes and amen. Father, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness we thank you that you are with us. Whether we are near to you or far from you, you are with us today. Father, I pray that we might open our minds and open our hearts to your word 
And Father, I pray that as the seeds of your word, as the seeds of the gospel are planted, Father, we pray that they might take root in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, we began a new series entitled Counter Culture. Counter Culture. Um, We will be looking at the Sermon on the Mount for months, but over the next few weeks, two weeks, today and next week, we will finish up the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are like cultural norms for God's kingdom. Let's just define counterculture again as we take off. A counterculture is a subculture whose values and norms of behavior differ substantially from those of mainstream society, often in opposition to mainstream cultural norms. Without a doubt, we named some subcultures, counterculture movements last week, but without a doubt, Christianity is a counterculture movement. It was counterculture when it was birthed in Rome. It is counterculture in our own country in our own society, in our own culture today. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. And I would like to read all the Beatitudes. All of the Beatitudes. Verse two sets things up and Jesus, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Last week, blessed are the broken. Blessed are the bankrupt. Jesus goes on, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So over and over again, uh, we see in the Beatitudes, blessed people, It's not people who are just feeling happy. A a right translation of the word blessed is happy. But it's not just people feeling happy. It's not a feeling thing. It's a God thing. God says blessed, blessed. I speak my blessing on you. I'm telling you, you will be blessed as these occur in your life. They grow. We begin with that bankruptcy and brokenness and it flows. We grieve over our sins and it flows. Let's just kind of go back and look at the three things we said last week. We talked about being bankrupt. Let's look at the first one. That's not it. But we can talk about that for a moment. That would be counterculture. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Have you heard that? 
Your mechanic might say that, your HVAC, you know, you might say, well, my unit's very old. And if he's a really good guy, he says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? If you're the leader in your company, maybe you're a visionary, maybe you're the CEO, maybe you're the coach of a team that's been successful, a saying that we hear, a saying that is written about is if it ain't broke, anyone know? Break it. Break it. Because if you simply focus on the status quo, others are going to pass you up in time. So if it ain't broke, break it. God says, definitely a counterculture statement, if it ain't broke, if you're not broke and I'm not broke, I can't use it. I can't use you. I can't. He can't use me. God's greatest work in us flows from brokenness. It's not like we line up at the brokenness aisle, right? I want to be broke. I want to be bankrupt. I want to come to the end of myself so that I will totally depend on God. No, those experiences aren't fun, but those experiences often leave us knowing what real life is all about. And so now let's review, because that's really another way of saying the things we talked about. You can find real life when you come to the end of yourself. Come to the end of yourself. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You can find real comfort. You can find real comfort when you let out. You take off your mask. You allow yourself not to have a smile 24 seven. When you let out what you are holding in, grief is a good thing. It's a good thing when it comes to repentance. It's a good thing in life. But when God says, blessed are they, when Jesus says, blessed are they who mourn, he's not just talking about losing a loved one. That is a time for mourning and grief. But he's talking about mourning over our own condition. Last, we said, you can find real strength. I love this one. When you surrender control, you can find real strength when you surrender control. Blessed are the meek because they will inherit the earth. Not the mighty, not the strong, not the powerful, not those who squash others under their strength, but blessed are the meek power under control. Think of a stallion that has been broken. Broken. God uses broken things. Broken things are not the doormats of society. Broken things are individuals, individuals who surrender control and their talents, their strength can then be used by God. Let's begin today with the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know how many of you have really hungered and really thirsted. I've been thirsty sometimes in my life. I've never been parched. I've never been in a desert type environment without water. I've been hiking and thought there were streams ahead and, and to use my little pump that purifies the water and had to go without water for a while. And, and that can be intense, but you know it's ahead thirst. There's an intensity. The people Jesus are speaking to, they got it. 
There's a reason wine was so prevalent. It's because water was not prevalent. Seriously, clean, pure water was not tremendously available and sometimes food was not always available. An agrarian society, you didn't have canned goods in your cabinets. Think about it. There was famine. Most people knew hunger. This past week, I, I went in for just some regular physical type things, testing type things. And so we had to fast for eight hours. My appointment was at 9.25 in the morning. All right. So I ate, I ate supper the night before. Um, and then I started my eight hour fast about the time I'm going to bed, right? And so um, we're sitting, waiting for them to call us in. It, it was a, a, a group type setting. And, and I heard someone say, said, um, man, I'm starving. I can't wait to eat. Now think about it, guys. Really? They've skipped breakfast. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I'm starving. That's not intensity. That's not this intense hunger that Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We talk about teams, they're hungry for a win, right? But still, as intense as that desire might be, Jesus is stepping it up, stepping it up. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. This word righteousness is tricky in some ways. We want to define it in specific things, but I want to give a general definition. When we pursue righteousness, we're pursuing what God wants. We are pursuing our lives and the world around us. We're wanting it to be the way God wants it to be. The kingdom of heaven is coming. It's present and yet it's not yet. And so as followers of Jesus, we're wanting, we're desiring, we're hungering for this world to be the way God wants it to be. How many of you know the world is not the way God wants it to be? That's all? The world's not the way God wants it to be. How many of you guys know that family is not always the way God wants it to be? Let others know so people don't feel alone. Come on, let others know. How many of you know that what you once dreamed of, maybe your vocation, is not always what God intends for this world to be? I won't ask you to raise your hand. Your boss might be in here, right? Some of you are, right? Guys, that's this world. Expectations of work, expectations of family, expectations of retirement, expectations concerning your investments, expectations concerning your health. Those are very, very real. But I'm here to tell you, you might be going through terrible times right now. I am not making light of that but there are people in this world who's going through worse times. In many cases, let's get our world a little smaller. I'm not talking about somewhere out on another continent. There are people in a 2.5 mile radius around this church who are doing much, much, much worse than you today. We should hunger and thirst for righteousness. That righteousness begins where we talked about what we talked about last week. The first thing God wants to be different is us. The way God wants things to be is that people live in relationship with him and there's only one way to live in relationship with him and that is through Jesus Christ. 
If you have your Bibles, I, I want you to turn to a passage that is very familiar to us. Turn to Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. It's a story that many of you are very familiar with. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And if you allow me, I just want to kind of tell the story as you follow along in your Bible there's a man that came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what deeds, what deeds must I do, good deeds, to have eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one good. There's only one who is good. And then Jesus said, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. The guys, the commandments, that's a whole nother message that someone else will be teaching soon. But none of us keep the commandments perfectly. The commandments of God are a mirror that we hold up to our face to show us that we're bankrupt, that we fail. None of us keep them perfectly. But this man felt like he did. So Jesus just lists them. He, he says, shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, all of these I have kept since I was young. Do you really think he had? Come on now. You see, he hadn't taken a hard look a long look at himself in the mirror. Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, when we teach about this passage, and I will say when I have taught about this passage many times in my lifetime, I focus on the God of what in his life? What? Speak up, someone. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Possessions, money, wealth. He had great wealth. And so it's pretty easy to identify that this man's God, even though he felt like he'd kept all the commandments, what he hungered for, what he thirsted for was wealth. But there's something else in this passage that is critical. He was a self-righteous man. You know, we use that word and it's very negative word. Man, they're so self-righteous. Just look down their nose at everyone else. Well, guys, before we make the word ugly, what is a self-righteous man? A self-righteous man or woman is someone who's trusting in their own righteousness. It is self-imputed righteousness and they feel like they're good enough on their own. And that's how this guy felt, remember? He said, I've kept all the commandments since my youth. But you see, Jesus pointed out his God, not supposed to have any other gods before the Lord God, the one true God, and he went away very sad. I have a few questions for you that, that I think are, are very important that we have to honestly ask ourselves, and I want to read them to you. And I want you to ask yourself right now, think about it, and maybe over the course of this week, what do I hunger for in this world? What do I intensely desire right now in my life? 
What am I feeding off of? What am I living for? What am I feeding off of right now in my life? What do I have to have? If I don't have it, I'm going to be very sad. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to be frustrated. What do I have to have in this life? Another way, what do I hunger and thirst after? Maybe what makes me tick. What are my life essentials? You see, only you can answer those questions for yourself, but I can tell you, I hunger and thirst for other things than righteousness. And if I am not careful, if I don't continue to look in the mirror, I will be hungering, I will be feeding on, I will be finding my security in, my purpose in other things than God's righteousness. You know, one of the things we might feed on, and I don't hear people talking about it as much today, but it's, it's still there. Um, and that is the American dream. All of us have a little different perspective on the American dream, but uh, typically it's to own your own home. You know, it's to have one point whatever the statistic is today, kids. I have a, a few of those portion of a kid, right? They're 0. 0.7 or 0. 0.8. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> I have two daughters, two, two. <laughs> Great American dream, right? Let's have some toys. Maybe it's a boat. Maybe it's a four-wheeler. Maybe it's a side-by-side. Maybe it's a membership at some country club or you like to play golf every weekend. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your kids in sports. You were in sports. You want your kid in sports. What is the American dream for you? Meaningful relationship? We, we're created for relationship. Did a wedding last night. Couple I've known for years. God said about Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. We don't need to live lives alone. I'm not talking just about marriage. Everyone's not going to be married, but we need close friends, close companions that are like family for us. There's nothing wrong with wanting to live a life of purpose. That's what hungering and thirsting for righteousness ultimately is about. There's a problem though with the American dream. It leaves you hungry. It leaves you thirsty. It really does. You know, you can have it all. I've met people, I've known people. They've lived the dream and they've reached the top of their career. And you know, at the top of the ladder, they didn't find what they were looking for. It happens. Listen to what was said about, in fact, he is speaking, the richest man that's ever lived and at least comparable to Bill Gates, all right? Solomon, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10 and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. He had anything you wanted. That's what that verse says. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. I've worked hard, I deserve it, right? Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it and behold, all was vanity. It was empty and a striving after the wind. You can't catch the wind, by the way. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. That's a little discouraging, isn't it? Be careful what you thirst for. You thirst for the applause of people. I'm here to tell you, people are fickle. You thirst and hunger for power. Be careful, it's very dangerous. You 
thirst and hunger for wealth. Wealth will leave you thirsting and hungry. Whatever you thirst and hunger for that has nothing to do with God's kingdom, nothing to do with the way God wants you and the way God wants the world, I'm telling you, it will leave you searching. Last week, I gave you some principles. I, I want to give you some principles now. You can find real purpose when you long for things to be the way God wants them to be. You can find real purpose when you long for things to be the way God wants them to be. God wants us to move beyond looking in the mirror and being impressed with ourselves. He wanted the rich young ruler. Jesus wanted him. I believe it was genuine. Lay aside the God in your life and follow me. Lay aside what you're thirsting and hungering for and follow me because Jesus in the same chapter says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What kind of righteousness did they have? Self-imposed, self-righteousness. What kind of righteousness does God offer us? A righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, and, and I long to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, keeping a bunch of rules, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on Faith. I want to just help me a moment. How does God want the world? What would God want right here in this area, our neighborhood? What would he want to change might be a way of saying it. But if the kingdom of heaven came here in our area, what would have to change? Tell me. People would have to love each other. Come on now, help me think. I'm waking you up right now. What? Generosity. Hearts and minds would be changed. Come on, let's get specific. Serving one another. Specific. What? Acceptance. Y'all are, I told you I wouldn't tell you it's wrong, so I won't. That was a right answer, but I want y'all to get serious. Follow his commandment. Serious. What is it in our area that isn't the way God wants sin? Get serious. All right, human trafficking, do you think God wants that? Do you think it's within a 2.5 mile radius of this church? Poverty. You think God wants that? Social injustice. What does that mean? Well, people who are at the bottom of the pecking order get treated different than people at the top of the pecking order. Does that happen? You think Washington, D.C. is the way God wants it to be? You think they're forgiving their enemies right now? You think that command only applies to us? You think loving your enemies is happening right now? You think there's enemies right here in the 2.5 mile radius? Maybe a few, but of various people. My wife's a teacher of 30 years. Uh, so I can't say it any more than someone else can say it, but I'm just saying I'm pro-education. Do you think all the schools in the area as hard as they try, the kids get the same education as in the wealthiest parts of our area? Do you think single moms and single dads with two kids, four kids, do you think they might, who might be working two, three jobs, need someone to do after school tutoring with their kids? Do you think homeless people who want, they desire to get off the street, do you think they need mentoring if a ministry exists that does that? 
Y'all aren't as bold. That's the kingdom of God, folks. That is the kingdom of God. Jesus said, pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Guys, I'm preaching to myself first. I am. I'm teaching myself first. God's getting my attention first. And there are changes that I will have to make if hungering and thirsting after righteousness is the center of my life. The next one's a little easier. It flows from this one though, an inward focus that then that's what's happening in the Beatitudes. They're moving from inward to outward. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness goes beyond our lives, just as I just described. The next one, the next Beatitude, much more simple, still challenging. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy, let me just define it very easily for you. Mercy, to aid the afflicted, to rescue the miserable, kindness shown to someone in need. You and I can find real full Fulfillment, real fulfillment. That is our second principle today. Thank you. Real fulfillment when you, when I demonstrate kindness to someone in need of help. When's the last time you've demonstrated kindness? You know, we watch the news and we see bad story after bad story after bad story after bad story. And then the last story in the news usually is a story of someone who's shown mercy. Bad, 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 good. Guys, we need to be the good on the end of the evening news. Not to be in the news but because God longs for his people to show mercy to those in need. Another story, I'm not going to read it, but you might even know this story better. A lawyer came to Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? People want to inherit eternal life. Same question as the rich young ruler. And Jesus said, how do you read it? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with everything you've got, your heart, your soul, your mind, your flesh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told him very simply. And the man, he's a lawyer. He says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, there's a man traveling to Jerusalem and he got beat They stripped him, robbers stripped him and beat him and took everything he had and left him half dead. They went on their way. And a priest is walking down the road and and the priest, let's just call him a pastor, right? A pastor's walking down the road and he sees this beaten up half dead man and he just moves over and keeps going. And then a Levite, let's call him a deacon, all right? So a deacon's going down the road and he comes to the man who's half dead, he's beaten on the side of the road and he moves over to the other side and keeps going. And then a Samaritan's walking down the road. By the way, and and guys, I just have to be blunt, a Samaritan was hated. The Jews didn't accept them at all. The Jews would call them a half-breed. They were racist towards the Samaritans. This man knew what rejection was like. This man probably knew what the gutter was like. 
and he stops and he cares for the man and he puts him on his horse. He bathes his wounds. He puts oil on his wounds. He takes him to an inn and pays for his room. He gives money to the innkeeper and says, here, whatever he needs, um, take care of him. I will come back and pay whatever you need to cover the bill. And then Jesus says these words. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him what? Mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You see, it's funny, almost all of those examples of what it looks like to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to want our families, our communities, our world to be the way God wants it to be, has to do with acts of compassion to people who are desperately in need. Do you hear that? Blessed are those who are merciful for they shall receive mercy. You're saying, Dale, are you saying that you're earning mercy? No, I'm not. But here's what I am saying. Mercy typically flows from people who have found mercy at some time in their life. Does it not? Forgiveness flows to those who have been forgiven and they know it. Why didn't the priest stop? I, I don't know. Why didn't the Levites stop? I don't, I don't know. Maybe they were too busy. Maybe they had plans that they needed to fulfill, commitments that they had made. But here's what I am telling you. God had what I call a divine appointment for them. Face to face with a person in need. And they canceled the appointment. They kept going. They didn't have time. They didn't care. Probably they were self-righteous. Probably they thought they'd arrive just like the rich young ruler. They didn't care. Guys, we all have to look in the mirror and say, do I care about a world in need? God spoke to me this week. There's a family member I've not called. Quite honestly, he's annoyed me. And um, I'm the, I call him. I've called him for over a year. I got tired of calling him and him never calling me. I said, I'm just gonna wait and see when he calls me. It's been three months. God told me this week. I mean, he just showed me. It's on my heart. He didn't speak. He spoke. I said, why don't you call him? Are you really gonna wait until he calls you? Are you just gonna love him? Right where he's at. God speaks. He speaks. You know, the beautiful thing about mercy is it's available to every one of us in this room. Every Sunday, our communion servers come forward. I'm gonna ask them to come forward at this time. We call it the table of grace. You see, we were people desperately in need. Our righteousness, forget it. We can't earn our way to God. If we want a relationship with God, if we want meaning, if we want purpose, if we want real fulfillment, it is found in Jesus Christ alone. It's a beautiful thing. Christ is righteous and God gives us his righteousness. He takes our unrighteousness, our sin, and gives us his righteousness. He shows us mercy. 
We take the bread representing the body of Christ who took on the form of a servant. You know, we get on our hands and knees when we serve people often. Jesus served us through death on a cross. His mercy flows to us when we reach out empty hands and say, I want the life that only you can give me. Jesus, I want you as my savior. That's what we celebrate. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this bread representing Christ's body and this cup representing his blood that he shed on the cross. We celebrate grace. We celebrate mercy. We celebrate life in Jesus' name. Father, open our eyes to a world in need just as we were in need and we are in need. May we be a conduit to the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you come? Mercy relieves the consequences of sin. Our sin, other sins. You know, you come upon hard times in life, sometimes it has nothing to do with anything you've ever done. And sometimes it has everything to do with what we've done. You know, I pray truly that we would be conduits of mercy to a world around us. Maybe you're here today and and you say, Dale, you know, it's time. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and it's just not happening. Everything I've, I've thought would bring life and meaning has not and I'm just needing to come to God with open, empty hands. We have prayer partners that would love to pray for you. Uh, maybe you, you've just been, your heart's been pricked and, and you say, Dale, I know that I've received mercy. I know that God's been so very good to me. I'm asking God to open my eyes to those who need mercy and I want to be his instrument. It's my desire that you would simply say yes to what God is saying to you. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the reminder of what you seek after for this world and what you've asked your church to do. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before you. And Lord, I pray that that today that we'd be sent out of here and that we would show this community that in real and tangible ways. Develop in us a heart for righteousness that we might seek your kingdom and that it might transform not only this block, not only the neighborhoods around us, not just this county, Lord, but city and the state and that your righteousness would go out from this place we thank you and praise the name of Jesus in his name we pray amen amen God bless you go in peace